When Jesus spoke to the Christians at the church in Philadelphia of long ago, he spoke to a group of believers that found themselves on the very threshold of a rare opportunity. The history of their life together had already been an enormously faithful one. The letter to the church at Philadelphia in ancient Asia Minor is one of only two letters in which Jesus offers absolutely no critique of his church whatsoever, no no pointers about where they're morally sliding or doctrinally in error, only affirmation. Jesus says to the believers there, I know that you have little strength, and yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. In those tender words of affirmation, Jesus speaks to ones who are in a moment where they sense their strength flagging. We don't know whether that was because persecution had led to the scattering of the church, the loss of membership. We don't know whether they were under some kind of financial duress or some other external pressure of one kind or another, but perhaps fatigued from these reasons or more, Jesus encourages tenderly his people, commends them for enduring patiently. But the clearer message is that although they may have little power in human terms, They have exercised a durable loyalty to Christ through thick and thin. And as we shall see, that opens up the doorway to the potential of phenomenal power in godly terms. And so Jesus says, See, I have placed before you an open door. An open door that no one can shut. To understand the full import of Christ's words there, it helps to know a bit more about the city of Philadelphia itself. Philadelphia sat miles inland from the Aegean Sea. It sat at approximately the midpoint between two great east to west running rivers that both emptied out into the sea, the Hermus River in the north and the Meander River in the south. Those rivers were the ancient equivalent, I suppose, of the Eisenhower and Stevenson Expressways. They were one of the most common routes out to the heavily, heavily populated urban areas that lined the coast of ancient Turkey and to the great city of Ephesus itself. Philadelphia was both within easy traveling distance from many of the smaller cities and towns that had grown up just beyond Ephesus and also was regarded as a gateway to the communities of the high central plateau, the Midwest of ancient Turkey, further inland. Perceiving this strategic location in the midst of so much development, 
The ancient Macedonians had originally established Philadelphia as an outpost to serve as a dissemination point for the spread of Greek culture. And the very effectiveness of that strategy because of its position was testified to by the fact that by the year A.D. 19, Greek was spoken everywhere in the region. But that was not the only kind of culture that might be powerfully spread from that strategic point. The one who held the key of David, which is Scripture's shorthand for the authority of the kingdom of God itself, that one had also seen the influence that Philadelphia might have on the spread of his kingdom's life throughout that part of the world. And so years later, or years earlier, Jesus had caused a church to be planted within that community. And over the years, it had had grown up there, just waiting. Waiting for an even more opportune time. That God was was bringing together, assembling, almost like a great matrix of factors that few people could see in their entirety that would create a period of extraordinary opportunity for the spread of the Christian message throughout this influential part of the world. And in his letter to the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul had begun to sense what was happening. And he had said of his own work back in Asia Minor, and I quote, that a great door for effective work has opened up to me. And indeed it had. The Roman road system had permeated the whole region. The superhighways were in place for the movement of the Christian message all across that region. The prevalence of a common language now made communications even across cultural and political boundaries possible in a way that had never been possible before. And the translation of the Old Testament into the Greek language, a version of the Bible known as the Septuagint, had provided the literature necessary. for people to start learning of the great works of God and the history of his people and of the prophecies of a Messiah, prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. The ascendance of Rome as the lone superpower brought about an extended peacetime, at least relatively speaking, also known as the Pax Romana, in whose glow people began to talk again about the larger philosophical and religious issues of human existence. And in the midst of the prosperity of that time, the wealthy found themselves longing for an even more fulfilling, purposeful, noble way of life. And the vast slave working class that undergirded the expansion of the economy also found themselves yearning for for some kind of freedom, at least of a spiritual, if not a physical and economic kind. And many people began to abandon the parochialisms 
the parochial paganisms that had defined life in that world and began to search more and more for some kind of a spirituality, one God that would bring together all of the disparate spiritual impulses in this rapidly globalizing world, it seemed. In all of these ways, and by degrees, God had pushed open the door to the spread of the Christian message. And the question that Christ posed for the believers at Philadelphia was, will you seize the opportunity? Will you step through that door I've opened and share the message that is the hope of the world? Some Christians clearly said yes. We know that from a core group of just 3,000 converts in A.D. 60, the missionary movement of the Church of Jesus Christ proceeded to reach out in the next 300 years and bring into the Christian fold 33 million people. Half of the Roman populace. That could never have been done by simply funding missionaries who went a long way away. Part of the work had to have been done by the people of the local Christian churches that caught a vision for the door God was opening up, for them to reach their their own neighbors and work associates and family members and friends. And I would like to think that the Christians at Philadelphia humbly led the way when it came to reaching the Midwest of Turkey. And I'd like to think that the Christians here and all over this region would also humbly seize the opportunity to reach our region anew with the mission of Jesus Christ. For we realize, do we not, what an amazing opportunity God has opened up? Maybe we don't. I think sometimes when we hear the word mission, we automatically picture distant countries populated by people who dress differently and speak different tongues, although you could go into a lot of middle schools these days and find people like that too. We don't usually have our mind immediately leap when we hear hear that word mission and think of the people who inhabit our schools and our shopping centers, our office places and hospitals, our neighborhoods, our clubs. 
And yet the surprising truth is now that according to all mission studies, America now ranks as the third largest mission field in the world. Second only to China and Brazil. Are there more people in the nation who have no conscious connection to Christ that expresses itself in any kind of regular involvement in the life of a local church. And here in the church-going Midwest, according to a secular study I've just read, 68% of our neighbors, 68% of the people who live in the western suburbs have no formal regular connection with the body of Christ. As I've said on other occasions and can document with dozens of cultural indicators, that doesn't mean they aren't spiritually searching, hungering, as perhaps at no other time since the days of the early Christian church. They know, they're reminded every time they watch the evening news, open the paper, that there's, there's something not quite right with this world, something wrong at the level of the human spirit, something wrong even about their own lives that they want to sort out, but they desperately need help to make sense of the solution in Christian terms, to make the connection with Christ. They need churches that understand the importance of open doors. Do we There was a time when most people discovered a life-renewing relationship through Jesus Christ by entering through the wide open door of a worship service. Many people still come to Christ that way, although the numbers are shrinking. And we continuously must hold out the hope that that's the door that they'll come in most regularly, eventually. But an increasing number of people today simply won't enter that way first before they'll ever dare to enter a sanctuary, they must first meet the grace and truth of Jesus Christ through some other portal. But by His grace and in truth, they are there, these portals. Are you aware of the 45 children, only one of whom, to my knowledge, has ever been involved in any kind of church before who are now meeting the love of Jesus Christ through the ministry that we sponsor each week for kids going through the pain of their parents' divorce. Oh, I wish you could see the faces of these kids. I wish you could see the difference between week one and week ten in the whole demeanor of these kids, these shattered kids. Do you know any of the hundreds of people who, who have lost a loved one 
been shaken to the core and, and then had somebody tell them that if they went to that, to that church on the corner, they would find a pastor there that would do a wonderful, loving funeral service for them, even if they weren't connected to that particular church, or they'd find a counseling center or any one of a variety of grief recovery and support groups. Or have you ever met the young woman who who stopped me in the hallway just last week. I had never seen her face before. She came up to me, said, Oh, I'm so glad I ran into you. I have this note. And with her eyes brim with emotion, she said to me, What it says is just this. I just want to say thank you to this church. That you've provided this mothers and preschoolers ministry because I really need some help in knowing how to help my children grow up in the right way. And now that woman comes week by week to worship services here. She's coming through the doors. I think of the middle-aged man who hadn't been inside of a church in 20 years. I think it was when a loved one had died. But now, he volunteers his gifts here many hours a week because this congregation believed in sponsoring a fellowship for singles people. 500 of them finding their way through the door each week. I recently met a couple who showed up on a Sunday morning because a friend had told them that 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 church had a class on marriage skills that might just help them work out their problems in their relationship. I know of a father who is now studying the scriptures each week because his daughter dragged him to the church because she wanted to go with a friend to this Joy University children's ministry that happens on Wednesdays. These people wouldn't be here if it weren't for those doors. There's a woman who first came to the church through an exercise class, of all things. And and another family that I know of that, that came to the church for the first time because of the shrimp. (laughs) The Friday evening club shrimp boil. And have now found such greater fullness, such more magnificent tuning for their soul than, than they ever imagined when they first began. I know of a young man who said he was just too nervous to go inside that church building. He had driven past it dozens and dozens of times on his way to work. But one day he saw a group of young people playing volleyball outside. And he thought, I'll try that. And now he doesn't miss a Sunday because he found a door. Not a week goes by that someone doesn't come by after a service and say to me, you know what, this is my first time here. I've not been much of a churchgoer. But I saw one of those TV broadcasts that your church does. And I just felt moved to come. And I think I'll be coming back. 
What's every bit as fabulous is how coming through all of these doors here helps people see even more clearly the openings that God is providing out there. I heard a businessman speak this past week of how being involved in the workplace ministry class that happens here on Monday nights had given him totally new eyes for his workplace. How it had given him fresh ears for the the spiritual issues and questions that were always coming up in the, in the office chatter all around him he'd never recognized before and how he'd found now just this sense of, of gracious entry and would walk through the door into these conversations and, and begin to talk about his faith with others. And I know of a psychiatric nurse in our congregation who, who now prays gently with those patients who will let her for God's grace in her workplace. And if a homemaker leads a Bible study in her home for friends in her neighborhood who just don't know about this church stuff but would like to know a little bit more about Christianity. And every week, thousands of you pass through some door of opportunity like that to be his missionary in the world or to invite others. To come through some door and find the shepherd's pasture. Why is it so important that we know all of this? Well, first of all, we need to remember these open doors because it is the secret to maintaining our perspective in church. You see, the one problem with church is that it's filled with people and we let each other down. And we do ministry imperfectly. And sometimes we can get so discouraged in the face of these things that we, we're hard on each other. Pastors are hard on the people. People are hard on the pastors. People to people. But if we can catch a glimpse of the larger way that God is at work, of the overwhelming grace that God is, is pouring out, then we don't live from quite that same place of impatience. Secondly, we need to keep before us the open door of opportunity because God wants us to keep moving through it. We can install all of the metal detectors we want in our public buildings. We can elect all of the best public officials. We can improve the values, education in our schools. We can beef up our neighborhood watch. We probably ought to do all those things and more. But the truth is that it will only be as more people come into a life-changing, renewing relationship with Jesus Christ. It will only be as more people come to stare full in the face of God each week and find that very presence reorders their entire character and hear his words speaking to them and, and guiding them through life as more people are filled with the spirit that still changes lives, transforms personalities into a bit more of the likeness of Jesus Christ that there is any kind of genuine hope in the new century. In any century, 
Finally, we need to keep going through and inviting everyone we can through these open doors because there's going to come a day when they won't be open anymore. When the one who is holy and true, the Bible says, Jesus says, closes it. Now is the moment of salvation, said Jesus. Now is the moment of opportunity. Luke's gospel quotes him as saying, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I I tell you, many will try to enter it one day and not be able to. And once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, says Jesus, people will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us, but he will answer, I don't know you. Now is the time for us to share the good news that the door is open, that Jesus is the door. And wherever that presence manifests itself in the life of his church, people still come in and go out and find pasture. Please pray with me. Oh, Lord, our good shepherd, how rich are your pastures. How wonderful the doors of grace through which you have drawn us. And how marvelous the opportunity you've given us to help even a few other precious people find their way to you. We give you thanks, Lord, for every example of your shepherd's touch upon the lives of those of us within the sound of my voice today and every reminder of your love for all of the world still outside the door. Keep us faithful to our mission, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.